and welcome to Minute 13 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me on this lovely Wednesday morning is Sean German of the Next Scene Podcast. Welcome back, Sean. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It looks like, um, looks like my flight was delayed one more time, so uh, I guess I have time for another minute. <laughs> All right. Great. So, Minute 13 begins with Neil staring at Dell while he's sleeping and ends with, with Neil responding to Dell's query. Yeah. So, as we talked about yesterday, we had the whole issue of them being on the plane. Dell is bothering Neil the whole time. Neil is not happy about it. We, they finally, Neil is finally relieved that Dell falls asleep. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, still begins staring at him. And then Dell mumbles under his breath while his eyes are still closed. He goes, six bucks and my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago, <laughs> which is a very interesting <laughs> phrase. I've never heard that before. So I did a little bit of research. Okay. I was about to say, any research on uh, on that saying? <laughs> yes, there is. I actually found a lot more research than I thought. <laughs> my. So it is a vulgar slang, a figurative phrase well, that yeah. highlights one's intense desire to have something. Basically, left nut means one's left testicle. So an example is, I'm going to the concert on Saturday. Oh, man, I will give my left nut for tickets to that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically a bet that you feel that you can't lose. It's a guaranteed win of a bet. Mm-hmm. Even though there's there's no way to 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 pay with the, with the way that <laughs> with the way that people are talking about it now, the first thing that came to mind when I when I heard this phrase again, do you remember when I mean you're you're from you're from Boston right Are you a Red Sox fan? No, I don't really follow baseball much. Okay, fine. So <laughs> I remember when the Red Sox won in 2004. So they mm-hmm. had a parody commercial yeah. of the MasterCard commercials where it stars uh, Dennis Leary, where they show all these different people that are Red Sox fans. And they ask them, what would they be willing to, to do if the Red Sox win? And one guy says, I'd pay $5,000. Oh. Another one gets, says, I'd give my stereo, my TV, my motorcycle. Someone else says, I'll give my car, my house, my firstborn kid, anything. I'll give anything. And then we see that they say, okay. The seeing the Red Sox win the World Series, priceless. And then we see them go to all these different people and ask them and try to collect on all the different things that they, they asked for. So you see someone who has to pay $5,000 and then you see this family where someone, they, they pull a kid away from the parents <laughs> because he said they give his firstborn kid. You said, yeah, it happened. So now you got to pay up. Exactly. And then you have Dennis Leary. Where someone's talking to him and they, oh no, sorry, first it says, uh, MasterCard, congrats to 2004 World Series champions, uh, Boston Red Sox, and remembers the fans. We have them all on tape. <laughs> and then Dennis Leary says, I don't think I said that. And they said, Yes, you did, Mr. Leary. You said, I'd give my left nut just to have the Sox win the series. And then he goes, Yeah, that does sound like me. Yeah. So then they, they have a guy show up with like these these hedge pruning scissors and starts like snapping them. Oh my. Exactly. <laughs> and then it then they have like a quote on it that says uh, MasterCard. 
proud new owners of 90% of New England. And, <laughs> and so you have the MasterCard logo, which is uh, basically, I think, a tennis ball and a, a red ball. And then you mm -hmm. see, like, the tennis ball fall off. And then it says... Oh, my. <laughs> and 50% of, of Dennis Leary's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link to, to, to this. I found it on YouTube. It's it's hilarious watching that. I mean, that's the only other connection I thought of for what Dell says here. And it, it's, mm -hmm. it's just pretty funny. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think most guys would be willing to give that for just about anything. <laughs> Could be a little, yeah. bit, little bit too painful. Now, I, I did check yeah. to see how much it would actually cost to, to, to buy <laughs> on black on the black market. How much do you think a pair of healthy testicles would would go on the the black market, Sean? <laughs> a pair? Um, yeah. I mean, it's got to be like five thousand dollars. It's in the well, and I'm assuming that you could you could do something with them. Apparently, like, can, they apparently be I, can you do a I transplant? Or I didn't check into <laughs> that. That I didn't check. But or I'm is, assuming. But I'm assuming state... that if it's on the black market, that means it is something that can be transplanted. That's my assumption. You know, any right. any so it's not, medical professionals out there who know differently, please tell us. You know, neither neither Sean like nor a, I are medical professionals. We don't know if you really can do this or no, not. Absolutely not. And I'm assuming it's not like for a, a, a delicacy. This is not. No, not no, no, no. The no, no, um, no, no, no. So I don't like like five thousand dollars. Okay, so according to the research I did, again, this is the internet, so it could be true or it could not be. If, <laughs> A, a pair of healthy testicles will sell for fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars. Yes. Okay. But yeah. if you just want the left one, the left one uh, sells for thirty-five thousand, but the right one is only valued at nine thousand. Really? Yes. So apparently, and, and again, this is a quote: <laughs> buyers on the black market are looking for increased blood flow size testosterone production and sperm production and because of this the left side is much more valuable <laughs> I, I don't know hmm. I, I didn't know there was that much of a difference between the two but so they they're definitely perfect apparently <laughs> well then i guess that makes sense what dell is saying here so six bucks in my right nut wherever it's like, he's, right. not, he's not putting the good one up <laughs> he's not putting the left he's just going with the right. right okay Dell knows what he's talking about. Del, Del. <laughs> before the sure. before the internet and before <laughs> before being able to find this information on the internet, Dell knows what what both sides are worth. Well, yeah, you don't <laughs> you know you don't sell that many shower curtain rings without learning without knowing how that testicles. Apparently, yeah. Apparently. And this is like so. This and then and this is the, I think this is the first, but there are several. Um, anatomical he's got a number of sayings yeah. that involve various body parts and particularly yes. the lower half in that yeah we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to a few of them uh, in the next yeah, few days that's that's later but yeah this is um i will admit I, I i've never used this i've never had the wherewithal to drop this into conversation but i love this saying me neither and, 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 and it's got yeah. a nice flow it rhymes and everything the six bucks in my right nut <laughs> yeah completely and then the scene changes. We're we're, we're done with the plane, mm -hmm. and we hear we we see that the house in Chicago with snow falling around it. Yeah, we see Susan in bed. The phone rings. She turns on the light and then answers the phone. And w didn't she say before that she was going to be waiting up for him? 
she, she, <laughs> apparently she, gave she up got tired it. of waiting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got like the, on, on the, the nightstand next to her, there's like these three large books stacked one the other. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, you know, books that she was reading when she was waiting for, for Neil. Yeah. <laughs> she's got three days to wait. So, you know, I mean, what is you know, that? Oh, that's like the dictionary. Like it's a pretty thick book. Uh, yeah, I tried. I tried figuring out what books they were, but uh, they're, they're they were not readable. Yeah. When early she's watching, wasn't able to she's, she's watching. She's having a baby. Oh, no, sorry. not yet. That that that's later. Was oh, that we'll later? Get to that okay. In a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. So then they they have a short little conversation. Hello, hi. Where are you? And he goes, I'm in Wichita. What is? Then she goes, Wichita, Kansas. Like where? Where are? <laughs> does anyone is is there anywhere else? <laughs> I'm in Wichita, California. Yeah. I'm, you know. How many Wichitas are there? Yeah, everything I know about Wichita, I've learned from this film. Apparently, it's in Kansas, and they don't have people trains. They only have the hog train, or maybe if you're a cattle. But that's that's about the extent of what I know about Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she goes, Wichita, Kansas? And he goes, are you? And then she says, are you all right? What happened? And he says, we couldn't land in Chicago. And he should just be saying to her, look out the window. Yeah. There's a snowstorm. It's snowing, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, what's going on, Neil? And he goes, what's going on is I'm in Wichita. We took off from New York. They closed Chicago, and we landed here. Yeah. So it's a very abrupt conversation. Now, I did a little research as to what Wichita is. Like, for instance, <laughs> the word Wichita is is originated, was derived from a Choctaw word, Weachich, which means big arbor. So apparently they had a lot of trees in that area. They have these these large trees or grass lodges that resemble haystacks. You would also call someone a Wichita who is a member of the tribe of North American Indians, originally of Kansas, but relocated to Oklahoma after the Civil War, mm -hmm. and is also the Cadoan language of the Wichita. You would call them Wichitas. Okay. Now, Wichita itself is 707 miles from Chicago which if you were to drive it, it would take about 10 and a half hours. It's the largest city in Kansas. There are 397,532 people living in the city. And the metro area, so I guess the suburbs, has twice that many total. There's about 650,000 people that are living there. It originally was a trading post in the 1860s, became a, a city in 1870, and its nickname is Cowtown because a lot of people were, were using, they were doing cattle drives through through that area. Cowtown. Wyatt Earp was a police officer in Wichita for one year before he moved on to Dodge City. In the 1920s and 30s, it became an aircraft manufacturing city. So it became the air capital of the world. You have companies like Beechcraft, Cessna, uh, Stearman, Textron, Learjet, Airbus, Boeing, Spirit, they all have manufacturing facilities that are located in Wichita. I knew none of this beforehand. <laughs> no, neither do I. Now I know. Yeah. So basically, Neil is on this conversation on the phone with his wife. He is not having a good time on this phone call. He doesn't, you know, as much as I, I, I wonder if Neil would prefer to be talking to Dell or be talking to Susan at this point. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, I think Susan. I think he would prefer talking to Susan over Dell. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, would, would rather have good news to say, Oh, I, you know, I just landed at the airport. I'll be home in a half hour. Like you'd rather have that, but I still think he'd rather be talking to her 
Um, yeah, but he's, he's although, not having a very good conversation no. with her. Well, no, she's <laughs> kind of weird. And maybe it's, you know, she just woke up. She's kind of groggy. The whole, like, what is, what does Wichita have to do with Chicago? Um, well, it's because, you know, hey, the, the, you know, like you said, look out the window. It's snowing, so I can't land. And here we are. Exactly. Although well, that I mean, is kind of strange. So you, you talked about how far it is from Wichita to Chicago. And, and we, we don't know the, you know, we don't get a weather map to see exactly which airports are affected, but there are several that are a lot major, closer. Semi major cities that are a <laughs> lot closer. Uh, you know, St. Louis, Indianapolis, uh, I think Columbus or Cincinnati, Ohio would have been closer than Kansas City. Um, even Nashville. Yeah. Uh, you know, Louisville or, you know, Louisville, Kentucky or Nashville, Tennessee would have been closer to Chicago than Kansas City and being. Uh, you know, further south, probably, you know, I would guess not affected by the storm that's bearing Chicago, but um, we never know. So I think that's, it's, it's, it's an odd choice yeah. that they go all the way out to Wichita. Yeah, completely. But I think that's partially based on what happened to John Hughes himself. The fact that he mm-hmm. actually was diverted to Wichita, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we should say like, so this is, um, you know, just to, show me for for voicing an opinion that i'm obviously wrong because this is you know this is was inspired by a true story where he was john hughes flying from new york to chicago and because of weather his flight was diverted to wichita exactly so uh no but i I completely agree with you i mean i'm I'm from the midwest (laughs) so you know i (laughs) i would say stop off in detroit don't go to don't go to chicago if it's you know but you know well i'm assuming like the, the detroit and milwaukee are um, close enough to Chicago that they'd obviously be affected by the same weather system. Quite possibly. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things that, that, that we'll discuss in, in a few moments when we talk about the, the script is a large subplot that was cut from the entire movie is a lot of animosity between Neil and his wife. She seems to think that he's lying the whole time about everything going on. You know, she doesn't take it all seriously. So it, it goes to show what type, what editing can do. Because you don't see, in, you don't really see that very much in the final cut. So they were able to cut out a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting because I one one thing like I I love this movie. I'm a big fan, uh, obviously. But the one kind of the one thing about the the film I don't like is this performance, uh, Layla Robbins, as um, you know, as Susan Page as Neil's wife. Uh, you know, I never particularly fan of of what she's doing and. Uh, it's very quick. It's a short conversation. We don't see much of her here, but even at the end when Neil finally gets home, like uh, it just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like the performance. I don't like what she, what she does. And, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe I'm picking up on, um, you know, on, on some of that emotion from that deleted plot line. And right. that's why, uh, you know, her performance doesn't exactly sit right with me. Hmm. Yeah. So that, that's something I did not know. Right. Um, All right. We'll we'll get to that when we get to that that segment in in a in a few Please. moments. Uh, there's a few more things that happen in this minute first. So so Neil gets off the phone and we see he's he's got a lot of things in his hands. You know he's he's yeah. got he's got his overcoat. He's got his paper. He's got a newspaper. He has what looks like a, a date book. His wallet. His briefcase. He's like carrying it all and and trying to trying to manage everything at the same time. And he puts it on this uh, paper dispenser. You know, we can get a newspaper. Now it says there mm-hmm. 75 cents. So I looked it up and it actually newspapers at that time only cost 25 cents. So I'm a little confused 
Maybe it's not a newspaper dispenser. I don't know what they would be selling for 75 cents instead. But, you know, it's a little little strange. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. Like, I, my, my first thought would be, well, maybe it's the Sunday paper, but we know it's, well, I guess it's still Tuesday night. Yes. I mean, because it's a couple of days Tuesday before night. Thanksgiving. Maybe they jack up the price for uh, no, but it's, because but it's the see, airport and they know you don't but you have a. See that it's 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 something that that's you know it's it's not handwritten seventy five cents it's seventy five cents on yeah, the it's kind uh, of printed, printed there, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems a bit much for uh, you know for the daily paper in in Wichita um, in Wichita yeah, in Kansas. the eighties <laughs> yeah. in Wichita exactly. Kansas, <laughs> and so Dell walks over to Neil. And sees that that he's organizing all of his stuff, and then Dell says to him, "Neil, little trouble on the whole front." And Neil's response is, "I really don't think that's any of your concern. Basically, basically, <laughs> shut the hell up, <laughs> stop bothering me." Yeah, basically, mind your own business, leave me alone, get away from here. Exactly, and that's pretty much yeah. the way that that, I... that this minute ends. Now, I, I went to look up the word home front because. Usually, when you think of home front, you think of something in in war, you know, during wartime. So mm -hmm. basically, I, there's two definitions of home front. So home front is a civilian population of a nation at war as an active support system for mm -hmm. its military. And the second definition is, is someone who manages things on the home front while his wife is away. So home front can also be – it doesn't necessarily – have to deal with military aspects. It could be dealing with just what's going on in the house. So you have anything else for this minute before we get into the script? Well, I just want to remark, so you, you mentioned all the the things that Neil is carrying and he looks, you know, he's got, he's got a paper, he's got his coat and suitcase and a, like a, a, looks like a daily planner, yeah. like a suit bag and yeah. And a daily planner. He's yeah. All kinds of stuff. And then Dell walks up and he's carrying nothing. And that's one thing like, you know, we, we mentioned earlier, like you see this film, you see all these people in a crowded place and they're close to each other, not wearing a mask. Things that, that you know, seem odd or, or would be odd in the, in the present day. Another thing that always stands out to me is when they just leave their stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, and I know airports tend to have lockers, but they're they also tend to be small. So I'm like, so Dell is, you know, it's not like Dell just has a suitcase that he could check in or a bag that he could put into a locker or something. He's got several bags. He's got a big overcoat, you know, his big blue coat. He's got that huge trunk. Where's that trunk? Right. Well, we'll, um, we'll have answers to all that in the next few minutes. There is an answer to that. It's a great question. Yeah. But there's, and there's a, there's a scene much later. I think it's, um, I think it's, you know, we're in, into the, the, the train and the bus section of the film where Neil goes to call home. Like he's sitting there and he's got his suitcase, he's got or his stuff with him. And then he just turns his back to go to the phone and call home. And he just like leaves his stuff there. And I'm like, I would never turn my back on my belongings <laughs> in an airport or a bus station or a train station. I'm Not like, that's, at all. that's something I, you know, that, that, that when he does, I'm like, ah, just you, you're like, you, you know, your stuff's going to walk away. Yeah. Something's going to happen. You can't just turn your back on <laughs> on your bags and stuff and, you know, in, in a, you know, in a, a bus terminal or an airport or something. So, yeah. So Dell's just, you know, Neil is, is hunk is, you know, kind of buried with all the stuff that he's trying to carry and juggle. And Dell's just sitting there relaxed. He's, you know, found a place for his stuff apparently. Yeah. Uh, 
But that, that's it. That's kind of really my last no, comment. No, no, no. Or, you're 100% right about or, that. Uh, for minute 13. You're 100% right about that. Okay, so based on the script, there are, there are there's an expanded conversation between Neil and, and Susan, which I think is very pertinent for us to, to actually listen to. So she basically says to him, I don't understand what Wichita has to do with a snowstorm in Chicago. Is there something going on, Neil? And then he says, all that's going on is I'm in Wichita. We left New York, and in flight, they closed Chicago. We've landed in Wichita. I didn't call for grief. I called to let you know where I was. And at this point, we see Dell staring. He's smoking and, and staring at Neil with what's going on. And then Neil says, I'm doing the best I can. I'll be home as soon as possible. I have a key. I'll let myself in. Maybe if you're really lucky, the plane will go down. <laughs> and her, her response is, that's a really nice thing for a father to say. If you're coming home with an attitude, I'd rather you didn't come home at all. And I don't mean that in a mortal sense. Good night. And she slams down the phone. So uh, that changes the tone a lot. <laughs> and then Dell basically says to him, a little trouble on the home front? Sounded like things were getting a little testy. And then Neil says, I don't think that's any of your concern. Again, it, it shows that they, they did a great job of editing this. All these, because apparently this, this entire script was filmed. So in order for them to, to take out those particular portions of the script, which people are getting pretty antsy and detest, you know, testy with one another. And they're able to, to somehow keep the tone at a normal pace. So I, I, I like the way that they did that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. And I, I don't know if that like that, that add, I don't know if that would have added to the, to the film if we need to have that, you know, need more of that relationship no. between uh, Neil and his wife. It's, you know, it's really no, about Neil and Dell and, and keep the focus there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we need that at all. And, and like I said, I, I, I think they did a really nice job of editing that out so that you don't, you, you, you might feel it a little bit here and there, but you're, you're, it's not blatant. Right. The way that they do that. Yeah. I mean, we, we know there's tension, obviously, you know, she wants him home. Uh, we later, we see it's, you know, he's missing uh, the, the children's Thanksgiving pageant. Like, there's, we know the tension there with just him, you know, yeah. just wanting to have him home and him not being home. Uh, we, we don't need to add this other stuff. It just distracts. So, yeah. Correct. Okay. So on Wednesdays, we do Hughes Hump Day. Hughes Hump so, Day. So, Sean, why don't you tell us your top five John Hughes movies? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is another tough one. I mean, this guy has got a, a, a resume. I mean, he didn't direct a lot, but as, as a writer, um, you know, the, you know where to start. I mean, I think um, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of, I'll, and I'll, I don't know if this is, is cheating. I'll kind of lump in the vacation films as one entry. So okay. I'll say, uh, particularly, uh, you know, the original National Lampoon's Vacation and then National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. As, is that at the top as, or the bottom? Um, I guess the the bottom. Um, I okay. mean, which is, you know, that's, it's a pretty good bottom, but I'll, I'll start there yeah. for, for my five. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll also toss out, I'll, I'll mention career opportunities, which I don't think is, is as well known as some of his other films, but it's, uh, a, a, a nice little film from, from 91 with Frank Whaley and a young Jennifer Connelly. Um, yeah, career I remember I saw that in the theater. Is, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a fun film. Um, and also one of my favorites, uh, Mr. Mom. John Hughes was responsible for writing Mr. Mom, the the great uh, Michael Keaton film. 
with yeah. uh with, with Terry Gar. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a great one. Um then I'll say um now this is so I kind of you know if if you want me to rank like these are kind of really close I can't separate them there's there's this film of course planes trains and automobiles and then Home Alone um, which is I mean if this is the uh, you know the best Thanksgiving film ever made which it is then in terms of Christmas films uh, you know Home Alone if not the best has got to be really close up there in terms of, as as a you know holiday movie and a, and a Christmas movie. Um, you know, Home Alone, really, really good. One of one of my favorites. Like I actually even heard that that, that you can consider that as part of uh, um, that Home Alone can be considered as a movie in the Die Hard genre. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, whether you want to say yeah. it's like Die Hard or maybe a prequel to uh, the Saw films, where uh, you know Kevin McAllister <laughs> grows up to be Jigsaw. I don't know. You know, that's if you want to go that far, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the, the guy and I mean, just and it's, you know, I could I could, uh, you know, at least a dozen more films that that, that John Hughes wrote that I could say are, um, you know, a, amongst our favorites. Yeah. The guy just has has something in him that speaks to to a lot of people and, and you know, write some really good movies. And then I mean, then, of course. You know, then you've got your Beethovens. I mean, they can't all be winners, right. but uh, that's true. But but when he when, you know when he got it right, he he hits it out of the park completely. No question about that. All right, so now we'll move on to the to the segment that we do every day, the off the beaten track segment, where each day, either my guest or myself will tell a little adventure or misadventure that we had at some point in our lives. So Sean, you have another one for us? Okay, well, so we covered the the, the planes. I don't really. I don't have any good train stories, unfortunately, but um, I, I've, I've done a bit of driving, um, you know, here and there. So I can give you some uh, a driving story. Um, growing up in, uh, in, in New Jersey, um, one time a uh, group of friends, we decided, and also growing up as a fan of the Grateful Dead, uh, we had a group of fans uh, or a group of friends decide they wanted to go see the Grateful Dead in Pittsburgh. And, and I'm not quite sure how, who picked this city, how it happened, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go along. And we caravaned, I think there was like eight or nine of us. We had, we had two cars driving, um, from New Jersey, uh, you know, taking route 80 out to the other end of Philadelphia. Um, and, and I don't know, we planned, and this is back before the days of, uh, you know, where everyone had the World Wide Web and you had Google Maps, you could kind of plan things out. So I don't know if we exactly knew how far we were going and how long it was going to take us. Um, I do know that we left the night before, we kind of left the evening before the concert, we drove out to Pittsburgh, um, didn't really know where we were going, Get we, we got there in the middle of the night and we just kind of pulled off to the side of the road in a parking lot. Um, Sun comes up the next day. We go to the concert. We we have a good time, and I think our plan was to kind of just sleep in our cars after the show in the parking lot um, because we we didn't sleep when I mean, we were up all night between the driving and then just waiting for for the concert and everything. So we'd been up well over twenty four hours at this point. Um, what we hadn't counted on is about an hour after the show, security comes through and clears out the parking lot of what was where uh, they were at, um, at three river stadium, which I don't think is around anymore, but so we're at, we see the show at three River stadium. We're, 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 you know, we're, we're tired. We're beat. We want to go to sleep. They, they roused us out. 
So we start heading back. We get back on the interstate and we're just like, no, this is, we're just too tired. We're not going to make it back to New Jersey. We, we pull off into a rest area off the interstate and I literally fall out of the car and go to sleep on the pavement. <laughs> just, you know, and, and this is in the summer. So at least it's, um, you know, at least it's warm. I'm not, I'm not risking, um, hypothermia or anything, but I'm literally just sleeping on the pavement in a rest area off of route 80 somewhere in, in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, we wake, we, we get up a few hours later, we, uh, pile back into our cars, we drive home. And when we get back to New Jersey and I go to get out of the car, I realize I don't have my glasses. Um, now this being a, just a, a podcast that listeners, you can't see me, but, um, yeah, I wear glasses. And at this point I've, I've worn glasses since, uh, it was about 10 or 11 and I wear them all the time. And I realized like, um, yeah, I can't see, I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to drive. I'm not going to be go to her. Like, but I was, I was so tired. Well, I mean, I was so tired that I just slept on the pavement in this parking lot, but then I was, you know, just kind of so out of it and groggy when we got up that I didn't realize. Um, yeah, I, so somewhere I just left my glasses somewhere and some rest stop off of Route 80 in Western Pennsylvania. So, uh, the next day after going, getting back, I had to get someone to give me a ride to, uh, to, um, the optometrist or the, you know, the vision center or whatever to get myself a new pair of glasses. So uh, I left those behind, uh, somewhere, uh, you know, somewhere on the road between New Jersey and Pittsburgh. Uh, so that's, that's my pit, that's my Pittsburgh road story. Wow. Wow. Great story. Thank you. Thank you again for such a great story, Sean. All right. Do you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? All right, sure. Well, um, you can find me all over the place, but uh, uh, similar to what you're doing here with planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, I broke down the film This Is Spinal Tap one minute at a time, and I had a great co-host, Heidi Bennett, for that. And uh, yeah, you can find that at SpinalTapMinute.com. And again, uh, you know, Spinal Tap Minute, where we broke down the movie This Is Spinal Tap one minute at a time. So check that out. All right. And while you're doing that, and you can go rate and review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. And you can find me at Movie Rob Minute on Facebook, on Twitter, on my website. All right. Well, until tomorrow, you're f***. You're f***.